this is what the movie made me think that that's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And and yeah, I've seen we some both pretty agreed. bad ones. It was, yeah. We didn't bring so, enough tissues. Right. So basically what they said was the drug dealers, you can sell one bag of cocaine mm -hmm. once, but you can sell a child five to 15 times a day for the yes. same amount of money. Welcome to the Elite Few Podcast, where we explore the fabulous, extraordinary world of the people who move the needle of success. Join our host, Tiffany, and producer, Kyle, as we dive into the stories and insights of the elite few who are making a difference and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Elite Few Podcast. I'm Kyle Goodnight, your co-host and producer. And of course, this is Tiffany Feeney, our Hi, host. Hi, everybody. Um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today, this is going to be a little bit different podcast than you've heard, but I promise you, this is probably going to be the most important podcast that we will ever do or have ever done to this point. The subject matter today is going to be so profound that everybody needs to know what's really going on in this world. And we have an expert with us. Tiffany, would you like to introduce our expert? I really, I want to introduce Gina Bull from Texas and she has 15 years in human trafficking. I cannot wait for her to share with us um, her experiences. We, um, Kyle and I just finished watching uh, Sound of Freedom and oh my gosh, I mean, we all know, I mean, if you're a human and you're breathing, you, you know how bad human trafficking is. If you do not know and you are unaware and you've been living in a cave or you just keep yourself sheltered or just like to close your ears, eyes and mouth and pretend that you can walk through like an ostrich through life. That's great. But, um, go see the movie because it is a lot of awareness. Yes. So um, I think there were several parts in the movie that really, that really shook both of us. Um, I, I know that um, Gina has seen him speak at many events. Pyle, Kyle has already watched the podcast that he's doing. Um, I, I think there were several things in the movie that really shook me. And that was um, the cartel, the cartel yeah. guy that had well, been with that hooker. Right. Yeah. Well, real quick, Gina, can you tell us uh, about yourself and just, yeah. you know, uh, real quick about who you are and what you do and, and how you tie in and why we brought you on as our, as an expert in this field right now? Sure. Expert. Wow. I am a, uh, that's a heavy title, <laughs> but, uh, um, well, I've, I've known Tiffany since I was, gosh, 14 years old. And uh, so we go way back, but a little bit about me. I'm a mom of four kids. I've been married to an amazing man for 25 years. Tiffany was there at my wedding and mm -hmm. uh, when our oldest son was born. And um, I'm like you said, I'm in Texas now, but uh, got started in, in anti-human trafficking about 15 years ago. So what got you into that? What started you going, Hey, I just want to start, you know, freeing people from human trafficking. What, because uh, you, you, you now educate, but at one point you were, you were seriously involved with the ugly. Um, we, my husband and I did a video, <laughs> but not that kind of video. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, uh, um, we, uh, I do everything based on my kids ages. So, uh, 
don't even think that our third child had been born yet. And uh, no, she had not because you didn't know she you were is number have her. four, but he number three had not been born yet either. Um, Tiffany, she's my favorite. Out. In case anybody needs Side to know, knows, yes, Tiffany yeah. prophesied that I was going to have a daughter when I was like, I'm done having kids. No, I think the uh, exact words were Toby said, "Stop saying we're having another kid." I'm not kidding. And I said, yes. no, you have two daughters and two sons. And you're telling me you only have three kids. Yes. And Gina goes, yes, that's true. We have, and she names Chase and Hudson and London. And I said, nope, there's another one. <laughs> and she goes, well, I have news for you, Tiffany. When I go home, I'm getting an IUD. <laughs> uh, she's 14. She's 13. She just turned 13. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just to let yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> But, if um, I see that you're pregnant, you're having a baby. Yeah. Well, don't see that because right now. Um, no, but, no, no. Dear God. Uh, no. But um, so I I think I was pregnant with baby three, whose name is Hudson. He's 16 now. And um, some friends of ours approached us and said, hey, do you know who Nick and Chris Kane are that run A21? And Toby and I were like, well, yeah, of course. And they were like, great. Um, they're really wanting to get the word out more about what they're doing. Can you guys write, produce, and direct just like a bumper video and something that can really pull on the heartstrings to get people aware of human trafficking? And we were like, sure. At that time, literally all I had to go on was the UN like definition of human trafficking and all of their laws, which was like a book about this thick. So I just started reading through it because I thought if we're going to do this video, I got to know like what we're getting into. And the more I started reading it with all the legal jargon and stuff, I just was like, wow, if you're a victim that's brought over to the United States from a foreign country, you have a lot of resources handed to you. But if you are a victim within the United States, you are actually not a victim at that point. You're a prostitute. Or, you know, you're out on the street and that's who you are. And there's not a lot of things that are available to you. And um, so just in making these videos and like starting out and doing that is really kind of what opened the door for the idea and the, the knowledge of it. And I remember thinking, I would love to get involved with this. And I thought that it was just going to be through media and through production because that's what my and my husband's background is in, you know, is, is media production. And, um, and you guys then, own a media production company. Yes. Yes, we do. For a living. Yeah. For a living. Yes. I'm more on the creative side. He's the technical person, you know, and so it worked out well because I was able to write and come up with what things were going to look like. And then, you know, go to, he took it from there. And so we did this. And the funny thing is, is I know it was given to them. I know they showed it. I know they played it. I never saw it played because I was always out doing something else whenever, you know, these videos were yeah. being shown. But um, it wasn't until probably a year later, I think, you know, Hudson had been born. He was about a year old. And um, somebody had said, hey, uh, can you do another video? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Would love to. And there's some transition that was going on, you know, with work. And I was trying to figure out, do I want to continue to work and mom three kids? What do I want to do? And really the Lord just opened up a door for me to step through um, into an organization there in Louisiana, where we were living at the time to become their public awareness coordinator. 
And I thought it was going to be all media and we were going to do billboards and we were going to get awareness out there. and We were going to have this amazing grant that we were going to work with. And when I said, yeah, I would love to do that. They were like, great. Tomorrow's your first meeting with a task force. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Right. Yeah, that's a little bit more of a serious word, task force. Yeah, I was like, oh. Because those, those are the ones that are busting in places to get people. I was like, I, I just she did. I just kind of want to um, like create billboards <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so talk to the press. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I, I think I went in the wrong door. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I think I kind of just want to. Um, and to what just, year was that? This what was, was that? Uh, 2000. Four? Wait, because it was born so, in 2007. So this was 2007. Okay, 2007. Was, so that yeah. was still a few years before the events of the movie Sound of Freedom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What I learned, yeah, what I learned today, listened to a podcast um, with, with Tim on it, was that it was 2013, 14-ish when all that stuff went down. And, and one of the things that they said in the podcast, or maybe it was on the movie, that that there was 5,000% increase in human trafficking at some point in time. And it's only getting bigger, right? Do you, can you speak on, can you speak on numbers at all? Like let's talk about numbers. Sure. I have my, uh, my cheat sheet here because it's a lot of numbers. It is. It's, it's, and, (laughs) And, and we all trust me when I tell you folks, the numbers that you think you have in your head right now are way low. Even if you're talking about millions. Yes. And Mm -hmm. the thing too, um, that's the, um, I want people to understand is like, I, um, m- my, my background. So when it comes to, to anti-trafficking, there's the international side, which Tim right. did a lot of, um, and then there's the right. domestic. And so my heart has always been domestic. I've never done anything international. Okay. Everything that I've done and I've worked with in is here in the United States, like in the lower 48 United States. That's where I have done stuff. And from to break it down even more, it's only been in Texas and Louisiana. You right. know, those are my two, that's my bubble and that's my world. And so seeing like what we saw in these states, it's, it's happening everywhere. So um, some of the, um, sorry, some of the, let me pull up my statistics here really quick that I had um, down is that you can, um, another really great resource too, and that people can tag onto is the Polaris Project. Um, is an amazing resource for all of these numbers for all of this stuff. They've got my uh, resources here. They also have a really great um, where you can call and you can report anonymously, and you can send in um, text um, for. Uh, for what it is that you're seeing. Cause our whole thing is like, if you see something, say something. Right. And we'll um, put that information. We'll get that from you. We'll put right. that information below. Perfect. So um, in the current year that we are at Polaris project has handled um, the top types of trafficking is escort services. Okay. And I can speak a little bit to personally seeing what that looks like. Um, obviously pornography is a big one, which a lot of people don't tie pornography to, to that. Um, they were looking at just here in the United States, um, for escort services and victims of sex trafficking. We're looking at about 10,836 just to current from just this year from January. That's 
to this that's, year. And that's just in my state here in the state oh, that's of Texas. Your state. Yes, that Texas, doesn't include, Texas. Yes. So when you go to Polaris, you can pull up your state and you can find out like in your state where you are and where you rank. Um, there are currently right now, don't quote me. Cause we can add website. that Kyle, right? We can add that website. We, absolutely. Okay. We'll be able to add yeah. that. And one of, one of the things that I heard today was that, that someone thought it was, you know, a couple of million. Mm-hmm. Um, they know of 6 million yes. are actually like worldwide, yeah. worldwide and yeah. actually more like probably more like 12 million. Yeah. I think 12 million is probably the closer count to it. World, 12 worldwide. million, 12 and million. You have to look at that too, because, you know, sex trafficking and labor trafficking, both, you know, and being in Louisiana, I caught cases that were both labor and that were sex trafficking here in Texas. I only dealt with, you know, sex trafficking um, issues that were here. And, but if you combine both of those, I feel like you're probably going to be over worldwide over the 12 million mark. If you're combining sex and labor trafficking together. And unfortunately, a lot of times, especially over in maybe a third world country, your labor trafficking does bleed into that sex trafficking part of things as well. I I would like to also have you highlight um, so many people. I mean, people I talk to every day do not understand the amount of people that are stolen in this country because when it's a runaway, that is stolen. They do not report it, market, talk about it on the news. There's no coverage, nothing. People don't realize it's, it's thousands upon thousands in every state that are taken. And um, can you highlight that and and get into that a little bit for them? So that we, there are several different ways that people can get caught up in sex trafficking. Um, When I was living in Louisiana, familial trafficking was one of those things. And it's very unfortunate, but it's where family members traffic other family members. And usually those other family members are children. And it is based on usually drug use. So somebody in the family is pimping out a child in order to support a drug or alcohol habit. And so there was a lot of family trafficking Um, but also runaways play a part in it. And let's just be honest, our foster care system is incredibly broken. And so a lot of traffic victims (laughs) come through the foster care system. That will be coming up. We will be doing an episode (laughs) on that soon. Yes. So speaking to family trafficking and in Louisiana, especially one of the things that we really try to do is to work with the public schools there to say, hey, Rather than call somebody at the end of the day to say that your child was truant or was absent or didn't show up when they were supposed to or they missed a class, those phone calls need to be made as soon as attendance is handed in and you're immediately calling. And then you're And they're not. Well, they've changed it to where I don't know about, I mean, here in Texas, yes, my kids, they miss something. I don't get a phone call till the evening, but in there in Baton Rouge, in the Baton Rouge area, Um, In the 225 area is what we call it. We were able to get schools on board to begin starting those truancy phone calls like immediately to say, hey, your kid's not in school, your kid's not in school. And then really encouraging the teachers and the administration to step in and to um, to really keep track of who isn't here, because, you know, that is a red flag. Like, are they missing multiple multiple classes multiple times? So you have your family trafficking. Um, A lot of times people think that also 
human trafficking is this white, creepy 1980s van driving down the road, just snatching kids up off the street. And it's not like that. It is more grooming that is taking place. So here in Texas, especially where I am, there's an area um, that is very heavily gang um, populated and grooming is a huge thing in that area. So what is it? Rooming? Grooming. Like they're grooming, grooming oh. their victims. They'll yeah, groom okay. they'll groom an entire like traffickers will groom an entire community. And you're like, how does how does that happen? And it's like, well, let's take these communities where they don't have a lot of resources. Maybe they're more of a food desert. Kids are not getting their daily needs met. Just simple daily basic needs of like food, yeah. shelter, clothing, love and attention, right? And so right. a trafficker will come in. And they'll start providing things. Here's a bag of McDonald's to like the entire street. Here's, here's, you know, some clothes. Here's this, here's that. And so they're taking care of the entire neighborhood, but they're honing in on just that one person. So by the time that the nanas who are watching out their mini blinds and don't like anybody that's on their street, they're seeing that they're taking care of all the people they're, they're almost being blinded to the fact that this one or two particular kiddos are being paid extra special attention to. And so then by that time, the community has been groomed to accept this person as a really good person. And when somebody questions it and says, why is that guy talking to that 10 year old? No, no, no. He's part of the community. He helps people. Yes. You know, and then they can just bring them right in and say, yeah, we have this clubhouse. No, it's, and then the kids probably don't, realize they're being sex trafficked even why it's happening right most victims don't even realize that they are being sex trafficked so you have that grooming there um a real pivotal point i know for me was we lived through hurricane katrina and when those levees broke and new orleans went underwater baton rouge grew by hundreds of thousands of people overnight And we were part of those relief efforts for everybody that was coming in from New Orleans. And one of the things that um, had been found out is, and that we were told is that um, when families were separated during that time, people had posed as FEMA workers and were going in and telling family members, we found your family in Houston. We found your family in Florida. You know, they were being split up on that I-10, I-12 corridor and I've driven that and you can as long as you're under the speed limit you're not going to see a cop for miles and miles and miles so it's easy to transport and they they weren't there they were just being trafficked across state lines right. at that point well and that's that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's something else that it was you know I'll admit that I've even with some training in the past for my profession um it's been one of those things where recently there's more and more uh like really detailed stuff like that so natural disasters is a natural place that sex traffickers know to go and get because people are missed you know families are are mm-hmm. split apart maybe even like in in third world countries like when we had those earthquakes they they right. they flocked to that area the sex traffickers the the kingpins if you will flocked to that area because there were actual kids that had parents dying that they were mm-hmm. they would just snatch them up crying over their dead parents in the streets so or wandering you know yeah. so so those were when numbers go up tremendously because they target those those down ticks in in natural history or natural disasters and they and they know yeah. and they're they're groomed to do that exactly so. and um 
And, and the thing too is like in sitting and like actually talking with traffickers, um, they're smart. And I've had one tell me, well, you, know, you, you did let's, let's point out that when you say talking, you actually would have a way you searched out who was being trafficked. Mm-hmm. You would give them a card, right. And say, I like your hair. Like I want to, I want to yeah. get into that too, because you actually sure. did do that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, traffickers are smart. Some, there were some that were like busted and they're like, why are you busting me? And it's like, because weirdo, you tattooed your name on like 12 girls. Like, how do we not know that you weren't this person? You know? So so one of the, one of the lanes that I, I ran in was victim identification. And one of the ways that we did that is that it was just through, it was through research and saying, where are the homeless shelters in our area? Where is the, um, the, the long corridor where, you know, all of the games are being played and where the sports teams are, whether they're college or, you know, professional, where do those motels that are paid by the hour, where, where is that strip? Where do those places, um, you know, operate? And then um, finding out where, especially here in Texas, where was the gang controlled? And stop six is the area where, you know, people are like, I can't believe you went down there. And I'm like, when you just when you have the grace and the call on you to do that, it's like, you're not an idiot. Like I didn't go down there unprotected and I wasn't in those areas just rogue. And, you know, we can get into that a little bit too about wisdom with that. But one of the things that um, we did was one, and it sounds so weird, but it was developing a relationship with those motel owners where on Fridays during the day, going down for months at a time and just saying, Hey, um, we want to help families that might show up here that could possibly be homeless. Is it okay if I come back, you know, tonight and Saturday night and offer food or things like that to them? And at first, some of them were like, no, you can't. But then others were like, yeah, that's fine. And they would tell me where actually legitimate families were living. And so one of the things that we did is we would just load up and we took donations of peanut butter and jelly and bread and powdered milk. And, you know, we kept diapers in the back of the vehicle and me and our, and the other, and the team members would go to these motels and we would just knock on the door and say, hi, we're here um, with an outreach. We didn't say we were with the church because we weren't, but we also didn't say that we were an anti-trafficking organization because we weren't, because we were, but we not, and we have free groceries. Does anybody want them? And Getting them to open the door is that first step, because if you can give me 15, 20 seconds to put my eyes in that room, to scan it, to see, I can say, okay, family that definitely needs this. But more times than not, the door would open and there would be a girl sitting on the bed or two or three girls sitting on a bed that looked underage and there would be a couple of guys in those rooms. And so giving them the groceries, but also saying, oh, I see you you, you know, you have some girls, would you ladies like, you know, some toiletries? And within that was the um, card that says, you know, we offer free haircuts. If you would like help, please call, you know, or if you um, need food assistance, please call. And it's that hotline number that they were able to call. But then walking out, I was connected with another group who I was able to take pictures of the cars, the license plates, and um, immediately upload descriptions 
at what hotel motel I was at, what the person, what the perpetrator looked like and what the girls looked like and get that directly to law. Enforcement. And then they would, they would do that. And you would actually also go in with them for the sting. So I, I would wait, but I didn't go in just because like, I know what my lane is. And so I was like, right, I'm right. gun, cause I'm probably going to shoot. <laughs> Shoot. Amen. I, I said that to you. I'm like, why are these people walking out of the room? We talked about that before and you, you had to pray about it for a moment yeah. because and it, it does, it does something to you. But also at the same time, the craziest thing that, that ever happened is that I went to a regular hotel that we go, that we would go to every, every single Friday night. I mean, without fail. And the drug dealers ran the corner room at this motel. Like they ran it and they, they, he, the lead guy, like he knew what we were doing. He knew what I was doing. Oh. He saw me putting in the information, you know, and I just thought, dear Lord, one day he's going to be like, you're riding on me and I'm going to, but he actually, when I would show up, he like, Hey, come here, come here, church lady. And I'm like, I'm not with the church. He's like, whatever. He's like, come here. I'm like, what? He's like that room over there. I saw him go in. So the drug dealers literally started telling me like what room the traffickers were in. And I was like, well, because they were in their lane, right? Like they were in their lane. Yeah. I love that. They were like, I want to sell drugs, but I certainly don't want to rape kids. Yeah. Bastard over there. Yeah. I get it. Well, and remember what, what did they say in that movie? In, back in the Sound of, Fre- of Freedom movie, yeah. they said that this is this is worse than drug epidemic. This is yeah. worse. Now, yeah. now we know we've been saying no to drugs and all of the millions and billions yeah. of dollars that come into this country on drugs. Right. Yeah. The reason why they said this and this, I mean, Tiffany um, and I, we get chills just thinking about it. I'm going to say it out loud. Go ahead, what they said in the that movie was the worst was, line of the movie. It was I, it I was the bone chilling. Yeah. This is what the movie made me think that that's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And, and yeah, I've seen we some both pretty agreed. bad ones. Yeah. We didn't bring so, enough tissues. Right. So basically what they said was the drug dealers are basically, you can sell one bag of cocaine mm-hmm. once, but you can sell a child five to 15 times a day for the same yes. amount of money. Yes. And they that's said for a day, what, 10 years. Yeah. For 10, for 10 years. years. Yes. And that's the thing when in talking with these traffickers is it's like they they told me that if they felt like somebody was going to bring them money, they were willing to invest. And it would, if they had to groom for six months, they were okay with that because they knew that they were going to make all that money back. If, if what person. was going to happen in six if, months? If they, if they would take, if it took them six months to groom somebody and to get them into, you know, where they were pliable and where they could traffic them, they were willing to invest six months because they knew that their return on the investment was going to be worth it. So they were willing to, to wait it out and to do what they needed to do. If they felt like this person was going to make them enough money. Um, Evils come in different ways and people want to give the cartel a really, a really bad lip all the time. But that guy was a cartel dealer Mm -hmm. and he was, he was part of the cartel. He went to prison. He's in the movie and the, Kyle and I talked about this. I think I mentioned it to you beforehand. And he said he got went came out of prison. He went back doing his same thing, right? Hookers selling drugs, no big deal. And the hooker came in, and when he was done, he looked down at her toes, and there were kittens on her toes. And he said he realized she was not 24. And he looked her in the eyes and he found out she had been doing this since she was six and she was only 14. Mm-hmm. And he said it was like something in her soul connected and he was going to kill himself. Yeah. 
Right, Kyle? Right. right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Tell he, said, he was going to put the gun. Go ahead, So Kyle. basically, this is in the movie, and yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, but he says, and he gets, and it's probably one of the most bone-chilling yeah. scenes. It's and horrible. he says, listen, I was ready to kill myself because I am not that kind of guy. He goes- Drug but then, dealer, but not a pedophile. Right. Yeah. He goes, so right when I started pulling the trigger, he said, God spoke to me, and when God speaks to you, you do what he says, period. Right. So he didn't kill himself, and then he went in in that in that Columbia area and started buying. Yeah. I guess he yeah. had to have he had to have posed as a buyer yeah. and then buy lots of girls. They so the and then get them off the street, but then mm-hmm. put them someplace well. Well, the hard part with the halfway houses and Gina knows about this because I'm sure they've been. I know for a fact she knows about it. Um, not all the halfway houses, the people who run them don't even know what's going on. They are sometimes using them as a way to funnel. They get caught, they get released, put them in a halfway house, and they're being used to funnel them back into sex trafficking. And the people running it don't know the safe, the safe houses that because nobody can know where they're going after they leave. Mm -hmm. So nobody knows what's going on it's it's horrible so so here's a question for you and this is this is i guess where it could get a little not controversial but um that many would argue to truly address you know human trafficking we focus on demand and not like so what do you guys like are they also trying to crack crack down on the demand like the people that are actually doing the buying at the end the Johns, I guess, if you will? In certain states, yes. And so, um, you know, and and this is what I've I've told people before that get into this. Um, Human trafficking is this really big highway. I mean, it's bigger than anything you've ever driven in LA or in Texas, you know, where we've got eight lanes across on both sides. It is this massive highway, but you have to pick the lane and choose the lane that you want to be in in order to help you know, combat this. We need people in the lanes of social justice because in some states, yes, there are John laws where they are being um, prosecuted, but in a lot of, a lot of times um, it is fines that, that is happening because another thing too is to understand is that human trafficking isn't just children. There are also women and even men that are, that is roped into this, you know? And so I think, for a lot of people, sometimes they're like, and that's where the issue comes in is like, you know, I'm going to, and they're not model. They're not model looking people. These are normal, overweight, regular people. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're also, they're also trafficked for jobs jobs, where they get blackmailed from their employer, giving them special treatment and be like, well, you owe me another two months because I put you up in this house and that's, and then they just always find the one next, the one next, the one next thing to to put them down. And so um, when it comes to labor trafficking and forced servitude, I feel like, you know, and I'm not a legal expert on that side, um, that's a little bit easier to prove um, that you have forced somebody into forced servitude. You have removed their passports from them. You've kept them there. They have lived in horrible living conditions. You haven't paid them. You've coerced them to stay. And so the, the penalties on that are, you know, it's easier. That is more of a it's just an easier thing to identify when it comes to sex trafficking. It's like, yes, for children, we know that wherever, whatever state you're in, whatever state says at this age, they are not able to even consent to sex. Then we know that that is automatically sex trafficking. Like they weren't able to consent with sex 
so with this person, so they were either set as either statutory rape or you trafficked them to somebody else like, like that. Whenever you hit that time and they start to age out of that and they turn 18, 19, 20 years old and they're still being trafficked, then, and that's where, for whatever reason, the waters get muddy because it's like, it turns into, well, they're prostitutes. And it's like, I mean, sure, some of them do turn to prostitution because all they've known, like if all you know to do is paint a house when you're, you know, from the age six to 18, then when you turn 19, all you're going to know to do is to paint a house in order to survive. And so um, it is a little bit harder to define that. And the thing that we've got to get away from is prosecuting the um, people that are trafficked because it used to be back in the day you would pick up a girl who was being trafficked and you would charge her with prostitution thinking in the goodness and kindness of police department's hearts i'm getting at least i'm getting her off the street i'm getting her away from her pimp for the night i'm giving her a place to stay and um, where she's not going to be beat and she doesn't have to do this not realizing that you're removing her livelihood from her and she's going to have to make up twice that amount and probably be beat Mm -hmm. in the meantime, because, you know, they want to know what did you say? And remembering too, that people do not self-identify as human traffic victims. They really don't like a victim is not going to sit there and be like, I am a traffic victim. I mean, and so speaking to your safe house, Tiffany, not only do people like, there's so much that's involved in safe houses because I, I did help open one. You have to have you have to have medical doctors there to detox from the drugs because yeah. a lot of them have been forcibly, you know, put on drugs or they just start taking it because there's no other way to cope. You have to have the psychologists and psychiatrists there to deal with the mental and emotional trauma that's there. Um, there are sometimes it's a domestic abuse issue because it is a partner that's actually trafficking that person. And so you've got all of that nasty mix up that's mixed and meshed in with it. And, um, then you also have to have like the rehabilitation side and the, what I call the re-entry into society where they have to learn how to, how to re-enter society as what we would say is a normal person, you know, but somebody that, has a job and has a degree and is able to, you know, function and, and operate. And so that's a, the safe houses have to have all those things. And that's why there's not a lot of them here in the United States. Right. And, and, you know, and that's what, that's what really a couple of things that was even said in the end of the movie. And cause uh, the actor comes out and talks about some really specifics about, you know, when it kind of just a flashback to your freeway analogy, you know, you said it's a really wide lane and you've got your lane. Well, some of the lanes that are that are doing things as well, they don't have enough people. There's not enough cars in that lane to deal with right. it. Like our our drug force right now, five to one, five drug force agents to one human traffic agent. It's not enough. It needs to be Mm-mm. flip-flopped. It yeah, it does. Be, yeah. It, and but but also too, it's a heavy toll. I mean, I can't imagine. I hope you have a good therapist because the stuff you see, you better you better be able well, to. Well, I know Gina God's your therapist. Did. How, but, you Gina, know. <laughs> you you saw a lot that shook you really sure. hard. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were involved with what this when they did the stings. You're watching them bring out these children that were being raped when they w- broke in. Yeah, and and the thing that you have to remember in 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 all of the situations, like, is that. It is overwhelming if you try to fix all of it, you know, it is just, it's overwhelming and understanding too, I think having a, um, 
this idea of knowing it's never all going to go away until Jesus comes back because we live in a fallen world. But we can, in the moment, with the time that we have, do what we can to help who we can. It's that starfish mentality. It's the little boy walking on the beach, picking up the starfish and throwing it back in. And the old man saying, look at all these starfish. Why are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm saving this one's life. And he's like, but you can't save all of them. And he's like, but I can save this one and he throws it back into the ocean. And so mm-hmm. it is finding that lane and being in it, you know, for a lot of people, they're going to see this movie or they've already seen this movie. And so they immediately go to that rescue and that's great, but we are not all Liam Neeson with a very special set of skills. No, <laughs> you know? no. we're a very not Tim. Set of skills. That's and right. we're not, and, and we're not Tim, we're Ballard, not Tim no. Ballard. You know, we're not, and we're not those yeah. people. You know, rescue is right. not not the thing. So if if that's not it, then what is it? Can you do um, nonprofit right. work? Can that you was write actually going to be my next. Yeah, yeah that was actually going to be my next grants. question. Right. So my next question was going to be, you know, for our listeners who are sitting here feeling hopeless. Now, Tiffany and I, we agreed we weren't going to do this show for another two or three weeks, but we saw the movie. We we left the movie. We looked at each other and I said, you know, when we have to do this. Right. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be launched next. Now, like it's got to be launched. next. We're bumping the so, next show. When yeah. Putting so this Monday. because one of the things that was really profound at the end of that movie was the fact that, you know, uh, you know, the lead actor asked everybody, tell people. That's the way we start to get people out there. This is the same thing that happened back in when when Lincoln freed the slaves. They mm-hmm. had people that told stories, mm-hmm. that got the word out, that got that got the movement. He wants this to be a movement. He wants this to be our version of of freedom of slavery. Because right now, another thing that was divulged last night in the movie is that we have more slavery right now in this world than we ever did back then when it was legal. There's when more. slavery was legal, yeah. Right. So what can you tell our listeners um, or people that don't know how to help and don't know what to do? Tiffany and I are able to bring this information to the world because we put it on the web and we have the technology and stuff like that. So that's that's how we're trying to help. That's our little lane. Um, Of course, in my profession, I do see. I do see I'm a, I'm a paramedic and there we've had training. And if we see clues, we can turn, turn to people and ask for help and, and get them pulled aside and ask if they're safe. And, and we've had a few times where we've thought maybe this was a trafficking thing. So we would turn the situation over to the law enforcement. So, so there are some small things that, that, that are not as big as what you're doing, but, but that's all I know how to do. That's all I know how to get involved with in bringing this information People that are listening right now may have zero ability to, to, to do what you do or want to do it, but what could they do to help? Like, what do you tell your community when they feel like their hands are tied? I love that question. And so here's what I, I tell everybody is it's like, what are you passionate about? And I'm not talking the overall broad, broad speak of human trafficking. Like, do you love to cook? If you are passionate about cooking and you love to cook, Find a home that houses these girls and say, I want to volunteer one day a month to come in and cook for them. I want to teach a cooking class. Um, Do you like to write grants? Find a nonprofit and be like, I want to find a grant for you that I can help do. 
Um, if you are legal minded and you're in the law and the justice side of things, for the love of God, please do everything you can to get in front of senators and to start meeting with people that are passionate about this to change and to rewrite these laws of how we prosecute the Johns, how we prosecute the traffickers and how we're getting services to victims. Some of you may be on here and you know, maybe like me, like I'm just a mom and I don't know what else to do. Can you pray? That is the biggest thing. Can mm -hmm. you pray? Can you find an organization and just pray for them and, you know, call them up graphic designers. Like dear, if look, I've been a nonprofit for a long time, we are not graphic designers. Okay. Our flyers look like we did the 1990s clip art. We need people that can create websites and brochures and flyers and help us design things to get the message out. So volunteer your time to do that, to get that message out. You know, if you're a businessman and you're like, I just want to fund something, bring on the money, you know, like find somebody, give them the money, event planners. If you love to fundraise and do events, then tell a nonprofit that's in your area, Google anti-trafficking nonprofits, you will find five, six, seven, eight in your area. I can promise you get with them and say, how can I help? Can I do an event for you? Can I do a bake sale? Anything like that. So find your passion and then just really dig in and say, Lord, how is it that I can take what I'm passionate about to give back into this and to help this? Because it takes every single person to be in that lane and to just drive that car and to get it down the interstate. So Gina, I want to get into, before we even wrap things up, I really want to talk about what people can watch out for, for their kids, for mm -hmm. their grandkids. Um, my girlfriend just recently was at Columbus, Ohio, uh, Polaris Mall. Her son was there with their baby in a stroller. And this is what people do. I've actually heard other people see this happen to themselves or their friends' kids. And this woman had been taking pictures and walked past him. He saw his son's face on the camera. He started yelling at her. She ran, called his wife, said, meet me at the door, gave her the baby and ran back in. She was gone. They called the police. Mm -hmm. The problem is this is right here in the middle of Columbus, Ohio at a mall. And people don't understand that they are shopping. That woman had that baby on a bidding site. Mm -hmm. Besides that, there's other things. Can you bring some awareness to this? Tell people what they need to be watching for, looking for, and what they can do to prevent this from happening to the people in their lives. Because people are not aware how common this is for regular suburban Polaris. This area is money. You've got Dublin, Olin, Tangi. Um, Westerville. I mean, this is money. This isn't a poor area. These aren't, they're not stealing people who are neglecting their kids. This was a, this is an area with money. Sure. Um, my girlfriend had it happen to her at a Publix in Florida with her kid. That's not, that's not, this isn't, these aren't poor places. So what can you say to these people, what to watch for and not to be ignorant and think that you're ever in a safe place? Sure. Um, one thing to understand is that knowledge is power. So if you're listening, don't let this freak you out and scare you and say, you're going to lock the doors. Like I've got two boys. I've got two girls. Our kids have freedom. Um, because I am aware and I do know, and I've asked, had people say all the time, how can you let your kids even out of the house, knowing what you know, seeing what you saw. And I'm like, because they know, and I know, and you know, we don't live in fear. Um, but we do live in wisdom. And so yes, one is understanding that human trafficking is humans. 
And there are the vulnerable population that are very susceptible to it from your runaways to, like I said, the kids that aren't getting their needs met to um, even single moms who are really struggling. Um, but it also, I've seen girls that are college students, sorority sisters driving Bentleys that have been trafficked at, before too. And so one thing too, to keep in mind is social media, parents, you may not want to hear this, get your kids off breaking social media, just do it. Like you will not ruin their life if they do not have social media. Um, our youngest son is 16 and he just was allowed to get Twitter or I'm sorry, to get Instagram for his 16th birthday. And his account is tied to mine. So I see everything that's happening on that. Um, and I don't necessarily have to always check up on it because he knows that mom and dad are watching. Uh, our 13 year old has zero social media. You can give them a smartphone and you do not have to give them social media. One is not the other. So just keep that in mind. Like, yes, we live in a day and age where we do want our kids to stay in touch with us. Research other options besides an iPhone and an Android if you want your kids to stay in touch with you. So be aware of what, what they're tuned into on social media. You need to be friends with their friends as much as you don't want to be that. Um, phone checks. Like, I cannot tell you how often this device here is tied directly to trafficking. It just is from Snapchat to Instagram to Twitter to the private messages on other sites. This thing right here is going to be the biggest, the biggest human trafficker that's out there because people can get to kids through this. So but keeping their devices on lockdown, being the parent and saying, no, no, you're not getting that social media account. No, you don't get Snapchat. No, you don't get TikTok. I'm sorry. You got to put your phone up in my room at nine o'clock at night, you know, like until you're going to pay that phone bill, I control what comes in and what you get to see. So I want to, I want to address this too, because, um, I, I, I taught for six years. I did substitute teaching. I taught in title one schools. I taught in schools for um, kids that were expelled from their regular schools. I can't tell you how many kids whose parents thought they didn't have social media. Who's, they had a phone their parents didn't know about. They had a phone their parents gave mm -hmm. them and they bought another phone mm -hmm. and lied. <laughs> and I, I do believe, and I know just from my girlfriend mm -hmm. whose son has girls come over all the time and she's like, oh no, my, my parents don't know I have this. We're not allowed to have Facebook. So I have an account they don't know I have. Okay, now we have a problem. So I think mm -hmm. there is a part of, hey, I don't want you lying to me. I want to be aware and watch here is why. And it's not that I don't trust you, uh, but your desire to get in trouble and to do things behind my back can get you kidnapped. Right. And you think that, and I remember my friend just telling me a story where the father said to my friend, I don't think you understand. My children don't have social media. Neither does my wife. Our family doesn't do that. And we're very watchful and our children don't hang out with anyone that they don't go to church with. And my friend was like, okay, because she knew everything he was saying that he was completely unaware of his family. His right. wife had a social media because she's on the neighborhood apps and the Facebook apps from the neighborhood stuff. His daughter is on Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram. I mean, like all, and she's like, what the heck? Like this guy had no clue. Either he's thinks either he's lying to her or lying to himself, but he seemed pretty convinced and I think we need to address that. What right. parents need to, there needs to be a way 
that you can tell your kids, listen, I mean, right now, if Willow says to you, I, I want this moment, I'm going to get it, or, or she's not even going to be that. She would never just come right out. She'd just do it, you know, and not tell you. What can you do as a parent to safeguard sure. your kids when you know there's a chance they could just be lying and you can't watch them to keep them safe? Right, you can't watch them. So here's the thing is that social media is never going to go away. But there mm-hmm. is um, a, you as a parent get to control when they get that. So, um, and that's going to be based individually on every kid because every kid is different you know um or tell them to be honest with you for a good reason because they can lie to you and and get it without your permission sure and it's also though making sure that when you allow them to have it that they know that there's very clear social media boundaries that are there like you know they sign a contract with us that says you're not going to dm people that you don't know and you're going to keep your account set on private and making sure that your kids know, just like ours, you know, do our two older ones, obviously we don't monitor that anymore. Um, but where it is one of those things of like, I'm going to do a phone check. I'm going to look and see who you're texting and what's being said and pictures. And if I find out that you've deleted stuff, then we're going to have an issue and there's, you know, we're going to talk about it. Um, so it's, it's that, and it's also giving them the why. Like you got to talk to your kids about the why. So one, as a like parent, that. you're allowed to say no. And you can tell like I've told, we told our youngest no. Like, right, 13-year-old girls, like, first of all, I think should just not even be on social media at all just for their own mental health, you know. But I know her and knew she couldn't handle it right now. You know, she just can't. Like it would consume everything. And it would, um, there would be body image issues that would come into play. Like, like you just know your child. And so it's like, I'm sorry. I know your friends have this, but I love you. You, you can look at my stuff. You can look at your sister's stuff that is on there. And if you feel like you need to talk to a friend through Instagram, even though you have their phone number, then you can use my Instagram account to do that. So giving them that, but also explaining, you know, the why, like, I love you right now. You know, first of all, it says if you're under the age of 13 or 14, you're not allowed to have that anyways. (laughs) Um, That's always a good one. Um, But it's also saying there are people that are out there that think that they know you or are going to tell you that you're beautiful, you're amazing, and you're all these things, and you don't know them, and they're going to want to talk to you. And I'm telling you that that is not a safe situation to be in. And if you really feel like you want to meet this person, if you really feel like you like this person, if you really feel like you know, they're going to be your friend, then let us know. So that way we can meet them with you and, you know, allow that space to be there, but have those boundaries. And a lot of times too, if you tell you're like, that's great. If you're, if you've met this person online and they want to meet you, ask them where, and then let them know my mom and dad will have me there at this time. And normally that shuts the conversation completely down because the other person is like, Oh shoot. Uh, that's not, not for me. So it's that, it's being aware. It's just making sure your kids are just, that they just know. I mean, without telling them, hey, there's people that take kids and they rape them and they sell them over and over and it happens, you know, a hundred times a day. It's, we want you to be safe and we love you. So no, I'm not dropping you off at the mall by yourself, uh, even though that's what we did in the eighties and nineties with nothing but we a didn't quarter. know. We didn't yeah. know. It was yeah. like, dad, I'm done. I'm calling you from a pay phone. Come pick me up. <laughs> but human trafficking wasn't where it is now in it the eighties. No, it we wasn't. just had to watch for the creepy ice cream vans. Well, here's the thing. You were at the mall. 
Uh, Kyle, you remember Officer Reardon worked at the mall all the time. He knew every single kid at that mall, where they were going, what they were doing. He'd stand out back. You want a cigarette? Yeah, I'll have a cigarette with you. And they would tell him everything that was going on in the city. He knew, that's why he ended up being chief of police. I'm sure of it. He knew every person. And if somebody was talking to a kid, I don't know how many times I watched him walk up to somebody and be like, you need to leave. I mean, he was watching the arcade. He was watching the movie theater. He was watching everything. And that when it was different. The towns were smaller back then. Yeah, Life was smaller. It wasn't like now you go to the mall, but your parents don't know that cop. They're not in Sunday school with that cop. They're not going to baseball picnics with them there it's not like it used to be it's not and 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 we can't raise our kids like we like we were raised either right so um and we and it's weird because like gen xers like we can't raise our kids even like what we were how we were in the early 2000s before social media even happened you know i mean our kids are growing up with social media we were introduced to it and we watched out for each other yes we watched out for each other yeah right but it, it's making sure you're having these honest conversations. Also, parents, if your kids go to a school where there is an organization that's going to come in and talk about, um, I, I don't even know what to call it, body awareness or like what we call it here. Um, we have a program where it's called Safe Touch, Confusing Touch, and Unsafe Touch, you know, where it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, and then just normal, like what is, what's a normal hug? Let your kids be in those classes. Um, right now where we're at, our district in the state of Texas, even everybody is being given the option to opt out of those, or I'm sorry, to opt in. And so a lot of parents forget to sign those papers. And so these kids aren't getting that education. If you think that this is that a program like that is presented to you, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, whoever, caregivers of all the children, and you were like, this is sex education and this is gender identity. I'm going to encourage you before you say, no, my child is not going to participate in that. Take advantage of the preview nights that they offer. Watch the curriculum, read through the curriculum, and then base your decision on that. Because that prevention side of thing is huge in helping to prevent human trafficking. Because what it does is it gives kids the ability and the opportunity to say, that I don't want you to do that to my body. I don't like that. I'm allowed to tell an adult no. Not only that, I've been empowered to go tell a trusted adult what is happening to me if somebody has said something that's inappropriate or has touched me in an inappropriate way. And so now we're giving the kids their voices back and we're saying you're allowed to tell an adult no. So if parents who have a program like that that comes to your schools, let your kids see it. Um, let them listen to it. Let them be a part of it because that prevention is going to be a huge stop in trafficking in the future because kids right. aren't going to be coerced into doing something that they don't want to don't do. Want to so do. that's another big thing that so parents. It's can that do it's well. all it's that it's that old adage: knowledge is power. So yes, um, real quick before we wrap up here, we got a couple of minutes left. Wait a minute, I do want to touch on her at telling people how widespread that baby picturing thing it didn't just happen in our mall it's happening across oh, the yeah. nation and i yeah. want her to talk about that i've i've talked to three people recently who said mm, that's really rare it's not it's and not I, I, yeah i have a friend here where it happened you know to to her as well and they even followed her out of the parking lot you know too and so 
um, it is happening. And so, of course, when your kiddos are that age, it's being very aware of the surroundings around you. It's making sure that you're aware of the people around you. And as a parent, I mean, it's just using that voice to say, don't do that. And again, even if a parent doesn't realize it, that you're there and you recognize it, it's stepping up and saying something for that person and um, saying, hey, I don't like that. Letting, you know, the store managers know, the security officers know, like what you've seen, what you've observed. Again, if you see something, say something. Um, I know we adopted it after 9-11, but it needs to be across the board when it comes right. to this. But as thing. soon as you see it happening, be willing to take a picture of those people. Yes. I mean, this is the problem. We are, and, and I know it, and somebody had told me that I took a picture of the person right away and they started freaking out and running away. That And that's what you need to take to the police. I think additionally, I really want to point out that um, this situation is not being reported on the news. The amount of people being taken. It's people, I've heard this, I, I, I've probably heard it 10 times in the last two weeks from adults. I mean, people from the age of 40 to 70 telling me if it was that frequent, if what you're saying is true, it would be on the news every day. Can you please explain, Gina, why this isn't happening? Sure. Well, because I think we have this idea that people are just being snatched up off the streets and it's more subtle than that. You know, they are being taken, but they're being taken in a way of it starts out with that slow grooming process and it starts and it's also. Well, I guess I'm referring to the mall, the, the babies being oh, taken the babies, situation. Yes. They get at the hotline, they get, they get about 10 calls a week at that Polaris hotline telling that they almost had their kids snatched or they did, or the sure. police had to take some, but it's not on the news. It's not on the news. And I don't know, like, I can't speak to why things, because a lot of times I know law enforcement and the news media is like, there can't yeah. be a lot of stuff, you know, said about things, you know, even just trafficking cases in general, like there's stuff that happened years ago, but it's still ongoing investigation. So I'm not even allowed to like, you know, talk about it and say, well, I remember when we had this case and this happened and these, you know, people mm -hmm. were involved. So if it's not being reported, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening. It's this, that I'm sure there's probably that stop gap and that sandbag there, you know, of we yeah. can't put everything out there, but I can tell listeners that yes, human trafficking is real. It happens. It happens here in the United States. It happens domestically. And again, if you go to Polaris, you can see where your state ranks um, on a grading scale as far as how much trafficking takes place there and what your state is doing to combat that. You know, I mean, or if you're an A state, then that means that you've got you you got it. You're doing the thing. Ohio, and you're getting Florida. it taken down. If you're <laughs> if you're if you're if you're, if you're a B state, then, you know, you're working on things, but if you're a C, D, E, F state, you know, F states aren't even acknowledging it. So Polaris will really help you see like where, like where you fit and fall within that. And then it can also point you into some really good myths versus, you know, truths when it, when it does come to trafficking as well. And of course we'll put that information in the, yeah. in the description so yeah. they can click on it and get right yeah. to it if they want to see it. At least they can educate themselves. That's mm -hmm. really kind of what I think this episode is for: is to is to take that person that may not know everything and educate themselves. And that website is going to be a great website. Yes. Another thing that I want to make sure that we touch base on is the fact that you know to kind of go back to the movie, um, it did have a happy ending for that yes. family. Yeah, for that family that they focused on for that story, and there was 
other uh, reports that that there was simultaneously things happening at the exact same time in real life that the movie depicts. So, so that was a, the movie was, and I encourage everybody to go see the movie because it, it is, it is worth the gut punch. It is worth it. It's it a is, big gut punch. it is worth it. I will take that. I would, I would suggest everybody take that gut punch, mm-hmm. go ahead and get socked in the gut for the, for the, for the topic, but also know that, okay, when you leave the theater, you're feeling good because, oh, they found, they found the boy, they found the girl. This is good. So with that being said, and to wrap this up, can you, you know, with our listeners may be overwhelmed with the, oh, my God, the world's falling, you know, the sky <laughs> falling, right. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> with the, and be overwhelmed with the enormity of the, of the, of the human traffic problem now that we've even spit out numbers. Right. Right. Um, can you share a success story that you're allowed to share? And oh, maybe yeah. we can end it on a, on a say, okay, because of people like Gina and because of podcasts like this, getting the word out and telling people to go educate themselves that there is a, a glimmer of hope because um, if we spread this and get people knowledgeable and maybe they hear a success story, they won't feel so overwhelmed that they're like, okay, I want my success story. Cause <laughs> if everybody has one success story, there's not more people in the world. If mm-hmm. everybody in the world has one success story, we could, sure. we could combat this. Absolutely. I love that you said that. Um, so, and I know like when I walked out of the movie too, I was like, that's great. And then I also went to, but what kind of therapy did that family get afterwards? Oh, <laughs> like yeah, I immediately went sure. to that too. Like, oh. where, like what kind of therapy, but um, oh. there, there was um, in Louisiana, we had been in um, down, you know, in a really rough part of, of town and continued to mow this person's lawn and knew he was running girls out of it, knew he was running drugs out of it. Um, but would show up, take his girls to the doctor, um, mow the lawn, bring them food and stuff. And probably six months of just investing in that, because the thing is, is it's like you meet sometimes, again, it's living in wisdom and it's just knowing like you can't always go in and bust everything down and just uproot these people. And so it was six months of just like working this contact of like, you're running these girls. Wow. We know what you're doing. Like, this is what's going on. And, and knowing the whole time, knowing the whole time, but also knowing that they, a lot of them didn't want to leave because they didn't identify because they felt like their needs were being met there. So right. we literally were just being Jesus. And the only way that we knew to be Jesus to them. And um, he, he did one Sunday, whenever we showed up, to bring food and to, to see if anybody needs to go to the hospital, the emergency room had a sign that said no drugs, no girls gone to church. And like that was without, he went, he showed up at our dream center, like right there in like down the street from him. Like he went to our church's dream center. And from that day on, he's like, I'm not running girls anymore. It was because of that six month investment into we're going to mow, we're going to, can bring you food. How can we help? What can we do? And then talking to these girls and then he started, you know, telling them they need to go to church. And so being able to actually see them come into that environment and to begin to get freedom and to begin to get healing there and that way. Um, And then here it was, you know, a girl had been at a sorority party she had been roofied. She had been gang raped and been videotaped, right? Um, and recorded and was told, if you don't show up at certain times to do what we're asking you to do, then this 
this video footage is going to be leaked. That's another way that trafficking happens. It's that blackmail and that coercion. And finally, um, she had uh, heard on campus one of the uh, anti-trafficking student groups that we had and was like, wait a minute. I didn't even realize that this was happening. And so we were, she actually self, you know, professed, this is what's happening to me. She disclosed to a school counselor who at that time was able to get her immediately into contact with our group. And she was able to start counseling. Uh, counseling was a beast and it was brutal and it was hard because she had to admit all the things that had happened to her. And she also carried a lot of shame saying it was her fault. She should have never gone. She shouldn't have taken a drink. She should have never done X, Y, and Z to which you have to reply. You can do all the wrong things, but it still is not deserving of being raped or trafficked or violated. You know, they Girls chose go to sorority <clears throat> parties every day and have a drink boy, and they chose to get raped. Right? Yeah. They chose, they chose to do that. But seeing her after a year and a half of, the therapy and the trauma counseling, be able to actually thrive and to share her story is, is incredible. And then the final one, which I would love for you guys, you can even link this into your show notes. Her name is Kat, Catherine Givens. We call her Kat. I met her at a um, speaking event. We were on a panel together. She is the founder of um, Elijah, Elisha Rising. And um, actually was just featured in Time Magazine. She was a traffic victim. And she now has a nonprofit to help traffic victims. And she is responsible for changing a lot of the laws here in the state of Texas in regards to the provision that traffic victims are getting. Oh, wow. I will send you her information. Her story Amazing. is incredible. Um, I had the wonderful privilege of being able to interview and write about her story as well. Um, several years ago after we met and we've just stayed in touch. And so she is an incredible success story. So they are out there, you know, they are out there. Um, it is a long road back from them. And I think you're, the listeners need to understand that just because a traffic victim is found and they get help does not mean that they are going to be completely free within a week. You know, we right. got to get out, of, we yeah. got to get out of television mentality. This is not a 30 minute hour long, Oh Yay, yeah, everybody's good. Oh, this is a that process. person's been saved for for three years. They're still smoking. Let's throw them out. Yeah. I mean, you're like you don't know what their life has been. You don't know what they've been through. You yeah. don't know what's going on. And you're right. I mean, there is this. There is that. It's thirty. It's been thirty minutes. We're supposed to wrap up the show. This kids should be healed, happy, and living free. Yeah, it's not. That's not. Work. That's not what it yeah. is. And that's why we need people in the lanes of trauma counseling and you know find the, the lanes of psychiatric care and, you know, physical care like we need. It takes, a, it really, truly takes a village when it comes to these um, survivors. I don't want to call them victims. They are survivors. You right. mentioned the guy going to church with his girls and getting out of trafficking because of that situation. It's mm -hmm. very much, um, it's, well, it's a better alternative than mine of just walk up and shoot him. Um, but you, we, we talked about that once. I'm like, why are they leaving these hotel rooms with those men and arresting them when they could just go, I don't know. I mean, they, they rushed us. We had to shoot them. Oops. I mean, right. that's sad. They keep dying. You know I mean? <laughs> they can't go to Coral. That's, that's there's, rough. But there's... you, you had a moment where it was bothering you and you were walking you were walking out and it was bothering you that it was it bothering me. And, and you can get easily burned out in those moments too, where you're like, why? Like we just, 
Like this guy just got arrested, slap on the wrist, and he was back out a week later, and she's still dealing with the trauma, and she went back. And it was with this guy that said, no girls, no drugs, I've gone to church, yeah. where I was like, that's great, but there's still this justice side of us that we want to see justice served, which is a good reason that we're not Jesus and we're not the yes, Lord, but that's true. it was, yeah, I had that, to pay for his consequences, he does, just like absolutely. we talked about with our forgiveness episode. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but there was that moment where I was like, I just don't even understand. And God said, God, God literally just, he dropped into me. He said, who are you to tell me that they don't get a road to Damascus experience? And I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. And he was like, Saul killed my people. <laughs> And yeah. I still showed up on the road to Damascus for him. So why are these people any worse? He's like, they're not out murdering Christians. I'm like, but do you know what they're doing to your children? And he's like, again, who are you to tell me they don't get a road to Damascus? And so it flipped that switch in me. Do I don't condone at all anything that they're doing, but also truly made me look at them and say, you know what, Lord, my heart is for the victims, but I also know that you can redeem anybody. And who am I to say your forgiveness is just for this group of people, but yeah, not for this group for of people. just for us that do what we call little sins. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and, and so, and we're all worthy of road to Damascus. Jesus died for us to have a road to Damascus. And so it changed my outlook and it also changed my, my outreach and how I even approached you know, victims in this of, I want to see them on this road to Damascus and through like God still created them. The worst, most vile human being in the world, God created them and he died for them. And a lot of times I think we think, oh, the Lord died for us Christians. But yeah, but we weren't Christians, like we weren't Christians when he died for us, you know, we're Christians because he did die for us. He died for us when we were sinners. Yeah, so that was a pivotal moment for that road to Damascus. And yeah, we're, we're all still sinners. Every yeah. single day, it says you must renew yourself in the Lord. Yeah. And Gina, you've known me for, I don't know, 480 years. I'm probably going to sin tomorrow by noon. And who knows? I'll, God, I could probably trip someone in a parking lot and go, oh, that was an accident. And God's like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really the point is, is, the road, uh, for people watching who don't know what the road to Damascus is, it's when Paul, who was a soldier and made laws to, to kill Christians, he was a major soldier. He wasn't just a little guy. He was in charge of many people. And um, God showed up to him on the road and said, blinded him, right? Mm -hmm blinded him i mean immediately with a bright light fully blinded him and said why are you killing my people didn't say hey you know are you doing okay right now can we have a talk do you want to sit and you want some water no he just yelled why are you killing my people and then for three days he said sit there and don't move blind and he sat there for three days didn't know it was going to be three days so for, and then he ended up giving, you know, say, okay, God, I'll, I'll work for you. I didn't know. I actually thought I was working for you. I thought these people were the bad people, but I'm sorry. And then Paul um, went on and led a great ministry and still suffered consequences for his actions by having to live under the same laws that he made and, and suffer for. And he was tortured on several occasions. Um, and I, I just, I'm telling people this, so you understand what that analogy means. Mm -hmm. I don't think it, I think it needs to be brought out very clearly right. because it's um it's major we all need that moment and it's 
I, I told Gina probably seven times, Kyle and I sat in the theater and I'm like, just walk in and shoot him. I do love to say that a lot. Um, I think anyone who knows me, I'm like, let's just kill him. But the reality is we don't have that right. right. I, um, if God said to me tomorrow, you can kill anyone you want. I have a list, alphabetical order. I can give it to you, but we're not. <laughs> that allowed I, to, I know <laughs> we're not allowed to. And um, yeah, if people are watching and are like, oh, please, is that the only reason you're not doing that? I mean, yeah. I mean, my friends, Debbie, Debbie, Kyle, we went to high school with, she was, I know, I know you'd never kill anyone. She goes, but if you were on the news and they said there were 10 dead pedophiles in a room, I'd be like, yeah, Jer, she, she did it. It, it, she, it was her. Um, the reality is we all have to recognize that we're not, it's not that easy. And this is a terrible, right. disgusting thing. And these people are disgusting and they're horrible. And, um, and no, uh, not everyone takes those moments like that guy. Not everyone is even scathed by it. They're like, whatever, right. you can keep giving me free stuff. I'm going to keep selling the girls. And so I think that, I think what you did and I think what you, I think you are going to, um, I, I think there's a lot there for you for that. I mean, I, I, well, you know, I love you regardless if you've done you. none of this. Yeah. <laughs> love you too. But I've always been very proud of you. And, um, for many reasons, I mean, the person you are is why you do this, but I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I, I know. I know. I know. So it's well, an it's honor waterproof. to do it. So, Yeah. Yeah. Could go well, ahead, Kyle. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's an honor to have you and to finally Thank meet you. you. I've heard so much about you through Tiffany, and it's an honor to have you on our show and to highlight this. And and like I said, any of the information that we talked about this, if you want to know that information, um, we'll put as much of what we talked about in the show notes that were that we discussed was clickable. I did my show notes here. I even said put up the link about how to watch your Instagram, your kid's yeah. Instagram account. Like that's yeah. going to be a link somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe an yeah. article, maybe a video, but that's going right. to be down there. So, so if any of these little small nuggets that you gave, I'm going to try to do as much as I can to get that in that. And give your area. kids a reason to trust you. Yes. Kyle's kids and my kid, obviously we could, they could be lying to us every day. We don't know. We, I, I don't know, but they've always come to us with stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes like, whoa, dude, really? I didn't want to know that. <laughs> you know, like, it yeah. was like nothing that major, but I'm like, um, I know you told, we told you that you could come and tell yeah. us anything yeah. that probably should have kept close to your yeah. chest. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, and, and we, we should be the safest people in their yeah. lives. Yes. Like yes. we yes. need yeah. to be the safest people in their lives. Yeah. And, um, I will tell parents this just real quick. If you find out that your kiddo is chatting with somebody on Instagram or Snapchat, or they're sending pictures of themselves, um, where they are not fully clothed, they're sexting or whatever, do not freak out on them. You got to, yes. you got to walk away. You got to take a big, deep breath. And then you've got to come to them and just as calmly as you can, you have to let them know, like I'm heartbroken because you are more valuable than these pictures and then what's being said to you, number one. And number two, this is not safe. And I know we could do like a whole nother show. Oh, we could do a whole other that. episode on it, yeah. But <laughs> um, you're right. But, they need to but, feel safe. You are yeah. their safe place. Yeah. Yes. So be the not safe place for your kiddos. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that's a new, that's a new take. I, I know um, even talking to my dad about that, when my son was a teenager, I'm like, no, he's my safe place. And I told my ex-husband that on many occasions. He's like, why are you being so nice about this with him? 
because we're the safe place. Right. right. And it works out because then they come to you, like Kyle says, and tell you things that you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that, I'm so glad you're telling me. And absolutely. And um, then you walk away and you're like, oh my God. God, <laughs> my friend, my friend told me that one day she's like, my daughter comes up to me and goes, mom, I want to go get on the pill. I'm not having sex with him yet, but I know in the next year I will. And she said it was everything she could do to just go. Okay. You're 17. You're old enough to make that decision. And this is what I wanted was for you to come to me. And then she said, I walked away and was just like, my God. God, <laughs> like what? Yeah. it's a lot to digest. And you're yeah. just like, you can't yell. Yeah. You and can't I think, yell, you I can't think if we just, what we've done a lot, because our kids are older, um, mm -hmm. you know, 23, 19, 16, and 13, what we've done a lot and what we've said more than ever is like, mm -hmm. I'm going to need a minute or I'm going to need an hour or I need 24 hours to process this. That has been our biggest thing is like, I need to process this. You're going to have to give me 24 hours and then I'll come back and we'll discuss it. <laughs> like, okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> because if they feel that you are going to um, combat them, they won't come to you again. Right. Yeah. Love you. All right, Kyle, go ahead. You can you can say your final <laughs> goodbye, everybody. But I mean, this is so important to cover these issues. It and is, it, it is. and I love what she said that you have to mention that you have to be their safe place. You, you have, have to be to. their safe place. You have to have that open line of communication. If that's one thing that if you're afraid of your child right now, that would be the best thing to do is have the discussion with them. Like it's going to be a hard one. Um, of course, you're not going to talk to a five-year-old about this. I mean, other than say, hey, stranger danger. Yeah. But when it comes to the older kids that are that are starting to understand things, especially the females, because they get it a lot sooner than, than the boys do. They get the understanding of the world, I believe. Just be open with them. I mean, uh, the stuff that I see and then my wife sees in her profession, we've always been honest with our kids. I, did it help? I hope so. I've never not told my kids about what I do, what I see, what I come across, you know, on a daily basis when I'm when I'm doing my paramedic stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't get to details. I don't violate HIPAA, but right. I just say, hey, you know, these are the things that are going on in the world. You need to be aware of that. And I'm going to communicate that with you because I want you to communicate, communicate with yeah. me when it's time that you may need to communicate with me yeah. to the point where I, I truly feel that they they have they have taken those liberties in the past uh, for good reasons to help their friends to, so that I could go and help their friends and figure things out for people or themselves. And, and, you know, I'm not done parenting yet. That's another thing they think they think, well, now that I'm 18, you don't need to parent me anymore. Hello. Sorry, mom and dad of me, they still parent me. Right. right. <laughs> you know, like, right. like, like my in-laws and my father, my, my mom's been gone for you a few years, but she's, she still parents me from above, right. but, yeah. but I'm sure she does. We yeah. all get parented throughout yes. our whole life. And it's hard for a, for a teenager in mm -hmm. early twenties to, to wrap their head around that because they have not had kids yet. And once they do, right. they'll get that. They'll so understand. with that being said, let's wrap this up. Um, this has been the elite few podcast, uh, with our special guest, Gina here, um, who deals with, uh, the human trafficking, uh, epidemic in her state. Um, if you've, feel like you can do something like she said earlier do anything even if it's just talk to your kids about this stuff 
But we just want to wrap this up, tell you to uh, um, share this with your friends, press the like, subscribe, uh, forward this to people that uh, if people, if this discussion comes up, because it's kind of a hot topic now, yeah. if this is, if this was helpful for you, go ahead and share this podcast with them, with your friends that may not understand if the subject does come up, don't be afraid to talk about it. That's part of what the movie's message was, was we need to bring this out and let everybody know this is happening. And that there are people like Gina that are trying to make a difference. And oh, you may be a person that can make a difference. Let's have let's 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 have you come and help. So, other than that, thanks a lot, Gina. Appreciate thank you. it. All right, thank you guys. I love you. I love you. Take care. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. And that's a wrap for this powerful episode of the Elite Few, where Few stands for fabulous, extraordinary world and the everyday people making a difference, like Gina, in the lives of others to help them move the needle of their own success. Huge thanks to our host, Tiffany Feeney, and our expert guest, Gina Bull, for her valuable insights in the dark world of human trafficking. Please do whatever you can to spread this message. Awareness is power, and we can make a difference just by sharing this message with anyone you know so they can get educated on the problem. Remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Your support, of course, keeps us going. From all of us here at The Elite Few, I'm Kyle Goodnight. We thank you and look forward to catching you on the next episode.